This is Your Wellness Solution, a podcast by Solution Health. So we've all seen the ads for DNA testing kits that you do at home and send in, but what do you need to know before using a service like this? Like what are the pros and cons? How to interpret the results and what impact may the results have on your health and more? Hmm, a lot of questions to answer. So let's bring in Renee Pelletier, a genetic counselor at Solution Health. Renee, thank you for your time. So first off, what is direct-to-consumer or at-home genetic testing and how is it done? Yes, the direct-to-consumer, sometimes we call it at-home genetic testing. Um, They're tests that you can typically order online or by phone. So in most cases, you'll either swab your cheek or fit into a test tube and then send that off um, by mail. And in return, the company will analyze your genetic information and then report back various types of information. So this could be things like ancestry, health risk factors, and even traits, fun traits like having dimples. (laughs) Wow, that's really interesting. So what kinds of at-home genetic tests are there? Yeah, so so there's a lot of different genetic tests in general, and at-home tests are kind of just a small little subgroup. Um, but for a lot of these tests, like 23andMe or Ancestry DNA, um, they can order be ordered directly online, whereas a lot of the other genetic tests that we think about are ordered through a clinic. Some of these tests, even though they're ordered directly online, still do need physician's approval. Um, so this could be your own physician, or in some cases, the testing company actually employs physicians that can order the test. But um, for things like 23andMe and Ancestor DNA, you can just kind of order it directly and get those results directly through you, kind of removing that physician piece of it. Right. So how is this different then from clinical genetic testing? You know, there's a few ways in which the at-home genetic testing can be different from the types of genetic tests that we order in a clinic. You know, one of the first ways that we think about is simply the information that you can get back. So um, most of the time in in a clinic, we're not going to be talking about things or testing for things like ancestry or kind of those fun traits like dimples and how you taste cilantro, stuff like that. But, you know, for clinical testing, typically a doctor or genetic counselor um, before the testing is ordered will have spoken to you a little bit about the test, the risks and benefits, and answer any questions you might have about the test results. Um, Some at-home genetic testing companies might provide the support, but uh, others might not. So that's kind of a, a big piece that's quite different from the clinical model. But another way in which a lot of these tests differ from clinical testing is really the technology that's used for reporting back results. So while a lot of the companies might say, you know, we can report a lot of information back regarding health, ancestry, et cetera, a lot of these, um, they don't really read through your entire genetic code. So they might not give you the full picture of your health risks or any other um types of information. Right. That's really good to know. So what are the risks and benefits then of this type of testing? Yeah. So I think that's a really important question for anyone who's considering this testing uh, to kind of ponder. So when we think about the benefits, it certainly can be super interesting to have this type of testing or go, go through with it. Um, You can learn interesting things about um, your genetic makeup, like your ancestry, Um, you know, again, going back to those fun traits. Um, So if you aren't making any health decisions based on those results or any lifestyle decisions, it can be kind of a fun activity to do, but it's important to know that there are risks. So like I said before, sometimes the results aren't so reliable. There might be 
false negatives or, you know, you might have a false uh, reassurance or a false or inaccurate picture of your risk to develop certain uh, diseases. Um, and even for things like ancestry, some of the science isn't perfect um, for identifying that ancestry. So you might, you know, get those results back, but they might not be quite accurate. And this is especially um, relevant for non-European populations. Um, other things to think about is there's some limited oversight and regulation of these laboratories that are providing that testing. So it's important to kind of look into that. And then, of course, you might reveal or the testing might reveal information that you aren't necessarily expecting. And that can be related to health risks. But some of these companies actually have the option to identify and connect with relatives. So this is this in some ways can reveal unexpected familial relationships. That can cause a whole other host of reactions and emotions that um, I think a lot of people don't um, particularly think about when they go forward with this type of testing. Right. So when someone is considering a home genetic testing kit, what are some of the things to consider? Yeah, so I think it's really important to really go into this thinking, what types of information are you looking for? What are you what are you looking to learn? And can this company answer those questions? So it's really your first great step is to just look at their website and see what types of information they are able to report back and what they aren't able to report back. It's also important to kind of look into the company and see what resources they have if you end up with questions about your results. Some of these companies do offer genetic counseling. Others don't provide that support, and um, that's an important piece to look into um, before moving forward. Um, Some other Considerations would be who has access to your data once you send that in and what are their privacy protections. Um, So there's a lot of kind of information floating around um, the Internet about how these companies are sharing genetic information with other companies or pharmaceutical companies. So, you know, if that's something that you're not comfortable with, um, it's important to look into that first. Um, And then, you know, just kind of doing a general scan of what's the scientific evidence that they provide on their website and do they really state the limitations of their tests and are those limitations that you're comfortable with. So when you talk about limitations, I'm thinking, okay, you spit in the tube, you send it in. How do I know they didn't mix it (laughs) up or drop it on the floor and something gets contaminated? So are these results reliable? (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, I think in in those senses, um, one of the ways to ensure that, you know, those simple um, mistakes aren't being made is just to look at the certifications of the laboratory. So there are um, kind of oversight um, regulations and committees that regulate laboratories to make sure that there aren't, you know, sample mix-ups all the time and things like that. So to first make sure that they're kind of a certified lab um, and reliable in that sense. But um, when I talk about reliability of the genetic testing results, it really goes back to the, the technology that they're using. And, you know, if they're using that technology called genotyping that I mentioned before, and you're looking to um, find out your risk for cancer, um, they might be missing genetic factors in there that might be important for informing that risk, where a clinical test might be more appropriate because it might read through more genetic information and give you a clearer picture. So can a genetic test ever affect someone's ability to get insurance? Yeah, so it's certainly an important question um, to kind of think about. So for any type of genetic testing, 
there is some protection um, by a federal law that was passed in 2008 called the Genetic Information Non-Discrimination Act. So this law actually makes it illegal for most um, health insurance uh, providers and employers to make any decisions based on genetic testing information. So this could be like health care coverage, um, things like hiring, health plan eligibility, and benefits. So that's a, that's a great law that's in place to protect individuals. There are places where this law doesn't apply. So things like disability insurance, long-term care, and life insurance um, are places where this law doesn't protect individuals. So if those are pieces where people want to, you know, go out and get life insurance, it might be something to think about before submitting an example where this information could potentially um, impact your ability to obtain that down the line. And if you get a test back and it reveals something that worries you or scares you or something that you didn't think about is unexpected, who should mm-hmm. you talk to? Yeah, so whenever anyone um, gets information for genetic testing, I think one wonderful resource is a, a genetic counselor, of course. I'm a little bit biased there, but genetic counselors are individuals who are specially trained in um, both the psychosocial reactions and just the, the technical questions that people might have about their genetic testing results. So they're a great resource, but other healthcare providers um, certainly could help um, guide individuals if they have questions about this information. If someone is interested in looking to find a genetic counselor to answer these questions, um, a great place to start would be nsgc.org. And then they have a find a genetic counselor tool um, where you can find a genetic counselor near you to help answer those questions. Renee, really interesting. And thanks for your time today. For more information, please visit snhhealth.org. That's snhhealth.org. And if you found this podcast helpful, please share it on your social channels and be sure to check the entire podcast library for topics of interest to you. I'm Bill Klaproth. Thanks for listening.